Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Remnant family, for uh, tuning into the podcast today. Um, can't wait to get to Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, back with us to talk about state, actually local, state, and national issues. And well, I really need to just read some scripture to start things off. I've been feeling a little overwhelmed lately. I'm just being honest with you guys. I get I get tired of the battle. Sometimes, as much as I tell everybody else to keep fighting the good fight of faith and and speaking the truth in love and staying strong, um, there are times where I'm, I'm just tired, and I'm just uh, admitting to you today, maybe you can throw up some prayers uh, my way, our way here at the ministry, very limited here with resources and our outreach, you know, on social media, we're trying to find new outlets. You know the game, but it is frustrating, and this is just the battle, and we're blessed to be living at this time. I'm thankful that we have somewhat of a voice, and God will use whoever and anybody that is willing to just say, God, here I am. Open up. My arms are wide open. I give you my life, my time, my talents, my treasure, so please use me. So before we open in prayer, I just want to read some from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your gates, lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Selah. That's Psalm 24. Father, we surrender to you. We submit to you. We give you our lives new and afresh this morning, and we ask that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray for you to move, God. We know you're always working in the realm of the Spirit. We know even now when things are happening around us that are frustrating or confusing or faith-testing, we know that you're in it. We know that you are over it. You are sovereign and in control. You, you uh, put people in, place that, in places that you need them to be, and we pray that we would just hear from you, God, by your Holy Spirit. Lead us today, one day at a time. Help us, O oh God, step away from the busyness and the distractions of our own lives, and the things that we tend to put our focus on and help us simply seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and not worry about tomorrow. We give you our anxieties, our cares, and our burdens. Thank you for your promise to sustain us. We have set you, the Lord, at our right hand, and we thank you that we will not be shaken. We trust you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We pray that you would continue to strengthen us as we, tr- we know, God, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And we love you and praise you for this day that you have made. And we acknowledge again your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's get right to some of these topics today by uh, bringing in our guest, Julaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council. Julaine, thank you for your patience at the beginning of this podcast today and for joining us again. Oh, David, I'm always honored to be on with you folks and 
hearing uh, Psalm 24, and I believe it sounded to me like you read from the King James Version, and that is such lofty language. Mm -hmm. I'm not a King James Version only person, so I don't want people to think that, but the beautiful, beautiful rendition of the truth of Scripture that the Lord is the King of glory, and He allows us to serve Him. Amen. And, um, you know, the battle does get hard, David. And then I was thinking about this the other day, that that Jesus said, come unto me, all you are heavy and burdened and, you know, heavy laden and burdened and I'll give you rest. And Amen. he came up, he, he went apart numerous times to rest and pray and be restored and revived. And sometimes we all have to do that in the midst of the battle. He sustains us mm-hmm. and uh, we know he we are on the winning side. It's just taken a little while to get there. Amen. <laughs> Romans eight thirty one. If God before us, who can be against can. us? And it isn't it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this quote, but he said it, it doesn't matter as much if uh, if God is on our side. It matters that we are on his side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Julaine, um, let's get into some of this. Uh, well, well, before we do that, give us an update on Wisconsin Family Council, Wisconsin Family Action. We love your updates. We air them on Q90 FM throughout the week, and we just thank you for condensing some of these important issues and putting those out there for people to hear and see. Uh, Give us an update on what you're doing. Well, yeah, we hit the ground running, David. You know, we had the election, and we we were over our heads in the election, both at the federal and state level. And you know, I, I don't think we really got much of a break because we hit the end of the towards the end of the year there. It's a big fourth quarter for us, so we needed to be out, you know, aggressively trying to uh, see what God had as far as end of year money for us, so we could start the year strong. And we hit uh, January one. State legislature came back into session, so we take off our election hat, we put on our legislative advocacy hat, and. Hmm. Um, they were they had they they were they've sworn in on January fourth and by that was on a what Monday and by Thursday that week the assembly was already voting on a, a significant bill and so we've been busy monitoring that we have elections coming up so we've been trying to get some information out for people so they can vote knowledgeably and responsibly in our spring elections and um, our church ambassador network, David, I just look, um, I, I still think this is probably the most important work we have ever and will ever do. And that is helping pastors to connect with their elected officials on, for what we're calling authentic, redemptive relationships, um, helping pastors to want to see to the souls of elected officials to meet spiritual needs, not about policy, not about politics, but um, praying with believers, praying with unbelievers, looking for opportunities to share the gospel with them. Uh, the other day, the one of our Church Ambassador Network uh, team members, uh, Dan, was over in the Capitol with, an, with a pastor from over in Eau Claire, and they stopped in that pastor's elected official's office and prayed with those uh, those folks, but also went to like 18 other offices and just had a word of prayer with elected officials. It was a day when the state legislature was on the floor. Uh, both the Senate and the Assembly, so everybody was there. They were given permission to be in the building. And, you know, um, when they gave me that report, David, I was just so that, – that was calming to me. Mm. It was exciting, but it was also calming. Um, there is no greater need that the human heart ever has than a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And and that that's the passion for this. So we've been busy helping uh, pastors connect with legislators by Zoom or in person. So we got a lot going on. Uh, <laughs> we're doing a mailing today to about 400 churches with our uh, monthly church bulletin insert called Church Connection. Send out about 23,000 copies of that to churches all around the state. Free. And we don't charge churches for it. So we have a team coming in today to work on that. So yeah. Yeah, we're busy. And we, oh, by the way, yes. I got to tell you, the second most important program I think we'll ever do is called LEAD, L-E-A-D, Wisconsin. It's a new summer camp program for teens ages 13 through 19. It's all about building into young people a biblical worldview and helping them learn to be leaders um, who can defend their faith. And we build it on a platform of civics and government, David. So we're going to be spending time in the state capitol. They role play being state legislators. They look at real bills. They they research them, and then they um, take positions for and against. And 
have debates and public hearings and press conferences, and then they actually have a floor session to vote on the bills. And all of that about is built into the program uh, where we really talk about the destiny God has mm-hmm. for the next generation of Christian leaders. That's the summer August 1st through the 6th on the campus of Maranatha Baptist University in Watertown. So we can get back and forth to the Capitol and um, information at lead, L-E-A-D-W-I dot O-R-G. I hope people will check that out. And don't faint when you see the registration fee. We do have financial assistance available for people who need it. Uh, we still think it's a good buy. So, yeah, we're, we've are we been busy, David. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. Hey, I thank you for trying to work with churches and that was one of the things that you just shared in your your brief update here that I really appreciate. And because the work is up to the body of Christ. If if Christians imagine if if more Christians would get out and vote and all these other things we need to be involved with locally at the local level with whether that be school boards or county positions or meetings we need to attend locally and all these other things we could be doing um, we've got to go back to that local focus because, as you know, uh, the national elections, um, <laughs> there's so much that's out of our hands. But we need a couple more million Christians to vote in elections. And if we were to get those numbers, and how many churches are there in the country? 300-some thousand, right? Yeah. If, right. The, if we could get those numbers to the polls— even with all the fraud, the cheating, and everything that goes on, the election probably wouldn't even be close if people who are Christians, professing Christians, Bible-believing Christians, if all of them would vote, not all of them, let's just say 10% more, that would tip the scales. Jelaine, your thoughts on that? Well, I think it would, David. And, you know, if 2016 numbers, or if 2020 numbers were were similar to or end up being similar to the 2016 numbers. We know that 60% of people who profess to be Christians, and you know, I, I realize that's a term that means different things to different people, but um, as Barna would define it, I think that's what we would typically think of as evangelical Christians. <clears throat> 60%, uh, that means 40% didn't vote. So if you take that 10% that you just wow. mentioned, and let's say we get to 70%, mm-hmm. I think it makes a tremendous difference. And here's one of the things that concerns me in the wake of November 3rd of this past year. I can't tell you how many people have contacted us and said, I'm done. I am just flat out done. They steal the elections. And look, I believe the election was stolen. Me too. I, I I regret that we haven't gotten our day in court with the evidence. I mm-hmm. There's machinations going on, and this is spiritual warfare, in my opinion. Yes. Um, we're, we're not dealing with, you know, flesh and blood. We're dealing with principalities and powers and, you know, all of that that is in places that are in realms beyond here. And um, but But that's not the right response. As a Christian, we are never, ever given a pass to not be a good steward of the things God has given us. And what is one of the things he's given us as Americans is truly precious and rare. And that is a representative republic, a representative form of government that we call a republic. Mm -hmm. And in order for it to work, the people have to be involved. The we, the people that begin the first three words of the U S (laughs) constitution are not just words on paper. They, They are an ideology. They are, if you will, in a sense, a dream. They are a vision that we, the people, must be the government and elect good people and and hold them accountable once we elect them. And so running and hiding and washing our hands is inexcusable. Jesus said, occupy till I come. That didn't mean stand still don't or keep your head in the sand and just take up air and space. That and I know that, that scripturally this is not an accurate rendition of this word. But when I think of occupy, David, I think of it in military terms. Most people I'm going to occupy think. that space. I'm going to yes. occupy that country. We're going to mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to move forward. And so I am just begging people to understand that it is too soon to quit. In the words of Winston Churchill, never, 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 never quit. Mm-hmm. Waving the white flag right now. What does it do? It opens the door completely for those who oppose us and our core values, our biblical beliefs, to come rushing in with absolutely no opposition. 
How, how in the world is that right? Mm. You, you just said you saved them time. You've saved them money. You've saved them resources. And so they, they, they can now just come in and steamroll completely over us. Yeah. No, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I look after the election, I had those moments of, you got to be kidding me. We spent literally hundreds of thousands of dollars mm. literally on this election wow. money that was very very hard to come by yeah very hard and and we don't do that every election cycle we we play in it but not like we did this last time mm. and and i thought all these people who gave all these people who worked all these volunteers we had like 500 volunteers how how demoralizing it it, it was and I had to shake myself and say, number one, God is in control. Number two, it's too soon to quit. Number three, I will not quit. I will not on my watch. Amen. No matter no matter what, I'm going to stand up. And as <laughs> as God told Joshua in that first chapter, when Joshua's looking around, they're like, okay, Moses, you're gone, and I'm left with this mess. <laughs> and God said, Joshua, you're the man. Be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of a good courage. Be strong and of a good courage and move forward. Take the take the land that I've given you. Cross this river. Get in there and do what I told you. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to do. And so I have a follow up to this, David. Not only do we need to vote and be involved, we need our people to run for office. Yes. You want a better <laughs> outcome? You want a better outcome at the in the school boards or city council or town or village board or county county board or DA's office or ju judicial positions here in our state and around the country, a state legislature at the national level, you get different, better people in. What do I mean by better? I mean people who truly are born again and who will live according to the convictions of their faith and, and not wallow around in the political cesspool, caving in when it's politically expedient, mm -hmm. living by, you know, licking their finger and sticking it in the air and every day to figure out what the political <laughs> polls are saying and the, how the winds are blowing. We need people of real character. We need Wilbur Wilbur. We we need William Wilbur forces, mm. you know, to step into the arena. And I would encourage people to look at how um, they might be instrumental in in changing this dynamic, David, either themselves yes. or helping to find good people to run for office. Yes. And by the way, we've got uh, two and a half minutes left before I have to take our first break. And I just want to emphasize the fact that most of our earliest leaders and founders and patriots in this country, they would say. Yes, we want Christians for our leaders. And in the context of that, some people have, in our audience here at Standard for the Truth, a minority of people, but some people still hear that and go, ooh, wait a minute, we don't want to force our religion on people. We don't want a theocracy. That's not the context. That's not what they intended. They are talking about Christian influence. They're talking about salt and light. They're talking about men of character and integrity, the best people to be leaders that will serve and not govern rule with an iron fist. Your thoughts, Julaine? Well, I absolutely agree with you. Look, um, John Adams said our form of government was suitable only for a religious and moral people. He said that minute. He said it's wholly unfit for any other situation. And what did he mean? He meant religion back in the in the time in which Adams was living in the 1700s and early 1800s was was uh, was Christianity, all right, Judeo-Christian principles and values. And and what happens in that is that number one, people who are are uh, Christians live according to the quote morality of Scripture, which which is you know eternally set and unchanging and it, and it talks about an honor preferring one another and you know not defrauding our brother and how to how to live without stealing and how to live of you know in a faith through our marriage vows and all on and on and on just the 10 commandments in fact if we just followed those it'd be a better better place but look adams was saying you if you want a self if you want a limited government you have to have people who self limit Right. That's the reason government rushes in with voluminous bills and, um, and that they want to, you know, read after they pass, according to Nancy Pelosi. And, and with with so many laws is because we have not done a good job of limiting ourselves in general. Now, what happens is that type of situation seeps into the culture and the pool of people that we are pulling from for elected office are are, are not people of character, not people who are good in that sense. Mm -hmm. And that is what our uh, our founders were looking for, David. They yes. were looking for people 
who who understood the, the basic truths of Scripture and could live according to them. That's what they intended. Yeah. Amen. Uh, we've got to talk about a lot more, Julian. You sent me an article, The Left Wants to Transform and Nationalize Our Election System. Also, unfortunately, we've got to talk about the Equality Act again because of one of Joe Biden's, at least one of his executive orders, and much more to come with Jelaine Appling on Stand Up For The Truth in just a minute. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. We have heard a rumor that it is Sanctity of Human Life Month, which every January is. And we, unfortunately, with all the craziness, the COVID craziness and the chaos going around in their country and the media, and um, we're not hearing about it. So one of the most important rights as a human being, the right to life, the right to, to allow a baby to be born <laughs> and uh, to stand against abortion and the murder of uh, babies. We are not hearing much about that, and that's in this country. Um, it's changed a lot over the years, Julaine. There's no March for Life this year in person uh, because of the uh, COVID thing. They decided that. But anyway, I want to get your thoughts on where we're at as a country. We, f- we fight legislation all the time. It changes whether there's a Democratic administration versus a Republican administration. Now we're going to go back to um, anything goes for abortion. But Trump was one of the most pro-life presidents in our history. And I'd love to share your thoughts on that. Yeah, he was. And I'll tell you, in my my adult life, I'm, yeah, the most pro-life president, um, definitely. You know, in fact, one of the last things he did before he left office was on the Monday before what would be like the 18th, I guess, last Monday, he issued a proclamation declaring January 22nd National Sanctity of Human Life Day. Uh, Sanctity of Human Life um, Sunday was celebrated on the 17th, but um, on the on that 18th when the president came out with that, I thought to myself, read this and enjoy it because you're not going to see another mm-hmm. one like this for yeah. four years. And it's just true. And, you know, um, one of the things I deeply appreciated about what the president said in that proclamation was a clear acknowledgement that human life is a gift of God, that we are all stamped with his divine image, and that inherently gives that gives us inherent value and worth. Mm. And, and, you know, um, it's been 48 years since the infamous Roe v. Wade uh, decision was handed down by um, justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, I believe that I think that vote was seven to two um, back then. So that was seven unelected lawyers in black robes who are also unaccountable because once they get on that court on a federal court, the Supreme Court included, it's a lifetime appointment. They either die or resign. That's basically the only way you get off there. Mm. Um, what they unleashed back then uh, with this concocted, absolutely totally fabricated um, right to privacy that they found in the, the 14th Amendment and in the, the emanations and penumbra uh, of items in the Constitution, uh, unleashed a horrible um, holocaust yes. on the unborn. To date in America, we're like 62 million babies who have been aborted largely on the altar of personal convenience and personal choice. Um, in Wisconsin, David, we're cresting over 550,000 babies, which is the combined population right now of our second, third, fourth, and fifth largest cities, including Green Bay in that that count, by the way. If you took all the combined populations, mm. that's what we have done away with since 19... The records go back here in Wisconsin to 74. Those aren't... That is not uh, potential life that is lost. That is life with potential mm. that has been sacrificed. And, you know, yes. um, if the, if you know, we pray for God's blessing, we pray for mercy, we pray for, for grace. And I'll tell you, God doesn't know us a thing. Mm. When you, when you sacrifice the, uh, the unborn on the altar of, again, largely personal convenience and concoction of, of choice. And um, when you change the def- definition of his 
design and plan for marriage and do things like that, you're, you're, you're flirting with disaster because God will not countenance and just wink at those kinds of, of, if you will, blasphemy and fist shaking in the face of a thrice holy God forever. He won't, you know? And so uh, the pro-life movement began back there in those early years post Roe v. Wade um, and, and has made remarkable progress as we've changed the culture and to a large degree changed some of the laws. But you're right, David, uh, at, at the federal level, administratively, um, it, it's a ping pong ball match, you know, a ping pong game. Because if the Republicans come in, they tend to do some things to help um, curb the tide of abortion. And when the Democrats get in, because they are they are very clear in their platform, very clear in their ideology. They believe that re- abortion is health care. What nonsense. They believe that it's a matter of personal choice. Uh, the choice is whether or not you're going to have intimate physical relationship uh, with somebody of the opposite sex. And, and that, that act creates a baby. That That's the choice right there, mm. right there. Yeah. The, the choice about killing the baby is a non-choice. Uh, no matter how the baby is conceived, no matter how the baby is conceived, we do not believe there is a right to abortion. That, that to us, yes. um, I know many Christians want to say uh, abortion, rape, and incest. Does that change the value of the human life? Mm-hmm. So I think not. But anyway, lots lots has been done. Uh, I'm going to tell you, David, one of the most incredible things that has been done for the pro-life movement is pregnancy care centers that are all over this country. Yes. So many of them giving the gospel as a part of the ministry to these moms who come through their doors saying, I think I might be pregnant. You know, uh, it's not a pregnancy I was planning on. Dads come through there. Uh, fathers come through. You know, they're they're distraught about things. They lots of, so many, so much direct ministry by these incredible organizations. And I want to put a plug in here, David. Um, in fact, I was invited on Sanctity of Life Sunday to go to a church, one of our supporting churches, to represent Choose Life Wisconsin. Do you know that in October of 17, we started selling, uh, the state gave us permission to start selling the Choose Life Wisconsin license plate. Yes. We have just shy of 1,800 of them on the road. We've sold about a little over 2,000 of them. Some of them, you know, don't get renewed. But anyway, we brought in over $100,000 since October of, of uh, 2017. And every dime of that has gone to over 30 pregnancy care centers all over the state. Simply by the sale of these plates, $25, a tax deductible no- donation that is paid over and above the registration fee uh, for the renewal of a license plate. $25 a year, David, that's like $2.08 a month. I'm sorry, you can't get Starbucks coffee for that. And and proclaim the Choose Life message all across the state on a beautiful license plate, as well as help these grassroots, nothing better than the grassroots work that the pregnancy care centers do all over the state. So in many ways, we have pushed back against the darkness through the pro-life um efforts after Roe v. Wade. But there's a lot more work to be done to change the hearts and minds of people, both culturally and in our government. Yes, and this is the Sanctity of Human Life Month. I encourage people listening if you are still on social media. And by the way, I I, I want to say my advice is to stay on these other platforms that are hostile toward uh, Christianity or conservatives or Republicans or, or free speech. Stay on there until they delete you or kick you off. Keep sharing the Amen. truth. But we do have to be on other platforms. We have to look, and I, I rattled off about a dozen of them yesterday on or a Tuesday. What, what is today? Thursday. Yeah, Tuesday on the podcast. <laughs> um, Jelaine, I want to share a quote from Greg Kokel. Um, uh, he said, if the unborn is not a human being, no justification for abortion is necessary. However, if the unborn is a human being, no justification for abortion is adequate. I say that because of what you shared earlier. Uh, it should be a, there should be no abortions, period. Um, we've interviewed Rebecca Kiesling on this program before with uh, Save the One, number one, Save the One. Um, she was um, uh, born out of a rape. Her mother was raped at knife point, and the only reason she survived is because in Michigan at that time, there was still a law 
that abortion was illegal. That's the only reason, because her mom went to get an abortion, or she was looking at a back alley abortion because it was illegal and decided not to do it. But her mom said, if abortion would have been legal, I would have gone to get an abortion. Rebecca Kiesling would not have been born. And she's got this amazing ministry, very impactful when it comes to legislation, and just putting a face to the idea of, yes, even in cases of rape, abortion is wrong. What do you think? Well, I think she's exactly right. Look, um, I'm adopted, and I know nothing about the situation by by which I was conceived. Mm-hmm. It, I, maybe I was maybe I was the you know the product of a rape. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, let's come back to the truth again. It is not the method of comp, uh, or, or the manner in which the conception happens, whether it's rape, incest, you know. Um, whatever it 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 doesn't diminish the value of the human life that has been created and the biological reality is i i gotta tell you um uh, gordon hintz is a state legislator legislator in wisconsin i think he's the minority leader in the in the senate he was on the floor pontificating the other day with a with a um mask on that said follow science right <laughs> and i'm just like floored by this That's funny. because in so many areas they don't follow the exactly. science and in and in this issue of the life issue they refuse to follow the science mm-hmm. because the science says at the moment of conception yep. new life is new new unique new life has begun that all the everything is there that is necessary for the person to become an adult, it just takes time in the right environment, right? I mean, it's just yes. that's all it is. That's the only difference. And so uh, they don't follow the science there, but the science is very clear that life begins at conception. Like follows like. So if two humans have, you know, are are conceiving this baby, that baby's a human baby, and and that is. Um, look, David, we we are, and I'm going to use this expression again. The altar of personal convenience and choice mm. has become sacrosanct in this country in many, many people's lives. Yes. And, and that, that, is, that is exactly where we are. And people like President Biden, who wants to codify the right to abortion. What does that mean? And wants, oh, yeah, that's an interesting concept. People keep talking about, okay, codify means to make it law. And people say, well, it's the law. No. It's a Supreme Court decision. Mm. It is not in federal statutes. Mm. All right. So what he wants to do is to say, all right, let's assume that with the makeup of the U.S. Supreme Court right now, we get a decision that is unfavorable to abortion, that overturns Roe v. Wade. How do we protect abortion in this country? You put it in federal law. Mm. All right. And because what would happen? so, So listeners, hang with us here a minute. (laughs) <laughs> if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, abortion does not automatically go away in all 50 states. Right. What happens is the issue comes back to each state to mm. determine. And I will tell you, that is why organizationally, as a pro-life organization, we have fought repeatedly to keep the criminal statutes regarding abortion on the books in Wisconsin, no matter whether they can be enforced right now or not. Because if Roe v. Wade, and I'll say when Roe v. Wade is overturned, we don't want a heartbeat's time to pass that we can't criminalize an abortionist who would do an abortion in this state once Roe v. Wade is overturned. And so so what, what Biden and company want to do is to say, well, if we put that in federal law, then no matter what happens at the Supreme Court level, people can go ahead and get an abortion no matter what the states do. Mm. That That's a dangerous place to be. Yes, Yes, thank you for clarifying that, because right now states can decide uh, up to a point, but there is that decision that hangs out there going back to 1973, and uh, we'll see what happens. It will be an interesting couple years, especially when Kamala Harris takes over as president. Um, (laughs) I I just do want to say, you think about people being pro-choice, but they don't always give you a choice on a lot of things like, uh, uh, you know, Christian bakers and florists and bed and breakfast owners. And they, they're not pro-choice when it comes to them, wh- who they can serve and who they can't and whether they support um, gay pride or whatever. I'm looking at National School Choice Week. Why are liberals and progressives, uh, Democrats, generally against, generally against school choice? And, and by the way, we don't hear anything about this either. And this is the week for National School Choice to get to celebrate that. Yeah, we're all over it. In fact, 
um, <laughs> our, our weekly commentary dealt exclusively that with that. The title was we're pro-choice, school choice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, exactly. but look, there's a simple reason for why they don't talk about this and why they don't promote it. And the reason is it, it diminishes the opportunity that they have to take the kids into their system, into yep. government schools, the, the bastions of, of, of um, indoctrination, if you will, and immorality. from four yeah. years old. And by the way, there's a big push now to start a three-year-old program. Good grief, people. Wake Jeez. up. Wow. Um, but anyway, from four <laughs> years old through 12th grade, from K4 through 12th grade, seven, uh, five days a week, put them in there where every single day for five to six hours a day or maybe more, uh, these these kids are exposed to um, liberal ideology. They're exposed to uh, belief systems that are contrary to the word of God, that are certainly not biblical worldviews, but are uh, they're exposed to things like the 1619 Project. They're exposed to things like the cancel culture movement and the Black Lives Movement is extolled and, and uh, homosexuality and the transgender issues and what I call sexual anarchy, the mm -hmm. promotion of sexual anarchy yes. is all built in there. David, if, 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 many, many, if, if many people pull their kids out of government schools, and put them into private schools, not only would they get a better academic education, they would also then get a different worldview pro uh, promoted every day, uh, you know, by and large, because so many of these schools that are part of school choice um, are, are religious schools. So, um, look, the clarion call from us, uh, we do this all the time. National School Choice Week is part of, the, you know, we, we take part in that and promote it. I think every parent ought to be looking right now at every school option, every school choice that they have. Let me say this, though, very clearly. No matter the educational partner a parent may choose to assist in the formal education of their children, there is never, never an abdication of the responsibility that a parent bears for the education of their child. Mm. If the partner that they choose is a public school or, or a virtual charter school or a charter school, by the way, all three of those are still public schools here in Wisconsin, or they choose a private school that has, you know, like we have voucher programs here and they choose a, a secular or, or a, um, a, a religious public, a private school, no matter the partner, the parent is ultimately responsible, whether that partner is wildly successful or dismally a failure. And so that is extremely important. And so we urge parents to look at the options that your state affords. We have a, we're blessed here in Wisconsin, Dave. We have a numerous options. We have a, a robust um, voucher program. Many of our, our, our Christian schools in this state are now taking part in the statewide voucher program. And it's allowing parents to make choices uh, that they otherwise couldn't afford to make. Excellent. And put, so that's why, look. They they lose the opportunity. They fight this from the liberals side because they lose the audience. Yes. They lose the capturing of the next generation. And let's be honest, the National Education Association is an arm of the Democrat Party. Prove me wrong, Julian Appling. We've got a lot more to talk about when we come back, including the executive order, executive order for transgenders and also the left wanting to transform and nationalize our election system. That's next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Uh, before we get to our, hopefully we can cover these last two topics, Julaine, uh, we did want to talk about that article over the Daily Signal and on the election. Uh, the left wants to transform our system. Also, Biden's uh, calling for the LGBTQ protections. Day one, executive order. And I've got an interview that we won't be able to talk about in depth. But Chelsea Mitchell, uh, who was one of the fastest girls in Connecticut, but lost four championships to biological males. And this is what Joe Biden is now continuing to endorse and the Democrats support. And so there's a hashtag out there, Save Women's Sports. But before we get to those things and the Equality Act, Freedom Project Media, one of the organizations I, I contribute to um, and do an article and video with, they now have an app. I just wanted to tell you guys, Freedom Project Media on your iPhone. Look it up, and there's an app, and um, my article will come out, my video will come out today, later on this afternoon. Freedom Project Media. 
And we talked about Rumble, and we talked about MeWe. We talked about USA.life, I think it is. And there's so many others. Parlor, hopefully, will be back. We've got to start you know, getting involved with these, these other forms of uh, uh, media, social media platforms. So let's get right to this story first. Um, your thoughts on the um, Biden, first of all, his executive orders. Talk about someone who, who is just saying, all right, I, let's, yeah, let's unify the country. And then he signs 33 executive orders in his first week. Now, put that in perspective. Uh, Bill Clinton, I think, signed two. Uh, George W. Bush signed one. Barack Obama signed five. And uh, President Trump signed four executive orders their first week as president. Joe Biden signed 30. Three. Do you think the Democrats want to reach across the aisle? Do you think they want unity? Don't fall for it. So, Jelaine, let's talk about this one, which really impacts young women, girls and sports, locker rooms, privacy and what have you. Well, look, uh, Joe Biden said when he was campaigning as a a mouthpiece for the far left side of the Democratic Party, um, he said that one of the first things he would do was to reverse some of the policies that the Trump administration had reversed <laughs> um, from the Obama Biden administration. <laughs> surprise, surprise. And, and so that's he's fulfilling a campaign promise, David. He really is. And it's a it's an, a very unfortunate one. It is a dangerous one. Obama um, was very friendly to the LGBTQ agenda. He was looking for every way he could to advance it. Biden was fine with that. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that in the early days of his presidency. Mm -hmm. And so here's what he's he's done is basically what he has said is educational institutions, whether you're secondary or or, um, elementary K, K, K three or four, this is called called K four, K four through 12, or whether you are an institution of higher learning, um, you are to give special rights and protections to students who are dealing with gender identity issues and who may be biological males, but they say they, quote, identify as females or vice versa. You're to call them by whatever name they choose. You're to use whatever pronouns they want to use. You're to allow boys who think they're girls to play on the girls' sports teams and vice versa, whatever. Um, whatever you can do to promote, give special um, rights and protections to these folks, you must do regardless of what the effect that that might have on the vast majority of the other students. And so um, we are, and I'm going to be kind of selective here, but I'm going to tell you that the group that's really at risk is women, girls. Yes. Okay. Um, because this, this has the, and by the way, the way, the way they, they can get these schools to do this, number one, schools are pretty kind of, they're, they're, they're kind of predetermined that they'll do it because schools largely are our public schools, our government run schools are largely very liberal in their leadership. OK, so they don't have a problem with this. But the second thing is they're dangling federal money out there. They're saying that we're going to and he, he's 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 weaponizing, if you will, the Department of Education to look into and all the allegations where there might be uh, violations of this quote, policy. All right. And and so they're saying you might have federal funding withheld. Well, that would especially be for institutions of higher learning that take Title IX funds. It might, but it also there's, there are funds available at the at the um, elementary and secondary level and K-12 situations from federal uh, title programs as well. And he's saying if you don't comport with, with what I'm telling you here, we may take away federal funding. Well, schools rely on that federal funding. By the way. Can, that's a euphemism. Federal funding is taxpayer money. All right. Let's just call it what it is. Federal mm-hmm. m- but money that you and I have put in through our taxes to the federal government. And they're going to return it to the school district. So they're dangling that over their head. <laughs> uh, but the group that's truly at risk is women. Now, you use this example of this young uh, track star up there in Connecticut. And I know my friends at Alliance Defending Freedom have defended her. Yep. Um, look, I, I I played a lot of sports in my life. David, you've met me. I'm six, nearly six. I used to be six feet tall. I'm a little <laughs> shorter now. but um, <laughs> So I played a ton of basketball. I played softball. I played volleyball. I played every sport I could get you know myself involved with. And I'm telling you, my senior year in high school, um, I was I was six feet. I was playing center. I had um, two four. I had two forwards who were five ten and five eleven, and I had a couple short forwards who were faster than Greek or, or guards who were faster than Greece lightning. And we just cleaned up. We really did. We cleaned up. And I'm telling you, if a boy 
who said he was a girl, had come into our tryouts and had beaten me out for my center position in that year, I would have been furious, absolutely mm. furious. This gal is representative of thousands of, and probably tens of thousands of, of women, uh, be they involved at the high school level or lower or up all the way up through professional sports, who are being cheated out of opportunities to have a level playing field when it comes to the sport they compete in. That is wrong. Yes. It is totally wrong. Yes. And, and by the way, every state ought to be looking at language mm -hmm. to stop this foolishness at the state level. It, it's already been successful in a couple of places. I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to talk about it here. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous. It is. Now, Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's dangerous, too, because what does this do? This this whole thing that Biden just signed through the executive order, the power of the pen, you know, um, opens up locker rooms, um, changing rooms, all of that for the for biological males to be in with the girls in, in these settings. It it isn't just wrong to cheat girls out of athletic opportunities. It is wrong to sacrifice their their privacy, perhaps their safety for this. Now, it does work the other way. Biological girls who say they're boys can go into the boys. It, it, I'm sorry, not the same. It is just not mm -hmm. the same. It's wrong. Yeah. It's totally wrong. But it's not the same in the in the danger factor. All right. And so so Biden Biden is basically saying we don't care about the rights and the protections and the, and the constitutional rights and protections, I might add, of all the rest of the students, we are going to make sure this group gets special rights and protections. And that's exactly what he signed in. Yes, yes, he did. Let's let's practice. clarify that. Even the Equality Act, which we don't have time to talk about again today, it's not talking about equal rights. It is talking about special rights. And what, do, what are they doing? The drive underlying all this is removing God, creation, gender, family, and marriage. That's the drive of the sexualized left and the LGBT agenda. Not all of them are activists, but underlying this thing, it's spiritual at is its core, and it goes back to God, our Creator. Now, Jelaine, we don't need to skip over quickly to the uh, article. We only have uh, four or five minutes left, and um, the left wants to transform and nationalize our election system. We started off this podcast talking a little bit about our frustrations about the election, what happened, and, and what are, what, where do we go from here. But this, H.R. 1, was proposed in 2019. Can you share in bullet points what this is all about? Well, let me tell you the, in, in the big picture is what they want to do is take the the state control of elections away and put it at the federal level. We don't mm, need wow. more federal control of anything. No. Normally, when it works in this country, David, and this has been, I think, a beautiful part of how our federalism works, every state is responsible for their elections. There's very, very, very few laws that govern state elections, all right? There are some, but they're, they're not not that many because every state is supposed to put into place election law that will ensure a free and fair election. And what they're trying to do is to nationalize or federalize uh, through HR1 here um, these elections. And they're trying to make sure that um, all states, for instance, are forced to allow felons to vote, all wow. felons to vote. Think about that. Most states don't do that. Uh, they want to well, force they, they, states. They already to, allow dead people to vote. So my, what, welcome, <laughs> welcome the, the felons. <laughs> well, and okay. So what's another thing that that Biden is doing? He's opening the borders, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. When those folks come in, according to all these kinds of rules, um, they would be welcomed. It looks to me as I re, as I think about what they're trying to do, they'd be welcome at some point and very early in the process to vote. And and by the way, don't miss that. Mm -hmm. When you open the borders, to they're, they're, that's part of their plan. Yep. You I talk about packing the courts, they're yep. packing the electorate. Most people realize that. And by the way, H.R. 1, uh, it passed the House, from what I understand. And by the way, you know what it's called? They have great names for these things that, that will, <laughs> will hurt the country. It's called For the People Act. For yeah. the people. Well, what people are is it for? Well, this is, they're, they're great at euphemisms, yes. let me tell you. Yes. And including the truth. But the, the, I mean, we could go on. There's a lot of provisions in this and, yeah. you know, like regarding um, standardizing, if you will, federal. I'm going to use the word federalizing, federalizing how states do uh, voting by mail. 
no, that should be. Look, we need, we desperately need election reform in this country. Yes. Desperately. This but that needs map. to be done at the state level. And yes. uh, by the way, that should be one of the first things that's coming out from our state legislature here in Wisconsin. We desperately need it. You read anything about election fraud this last cycle? Wisconsin shows up every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So we th- need, but this isn't the way to do it, David. No, this is not. No, there are some things. So keep your eyes open for HR1 and make sure that uh, we are not supporting that. That's It's amazing, but it's not surprising. They see the power. They have the power now, Jelaine. They have all the major institutions in America. They've got all three branches of government, uh, and they know that they are in control right now. What I think Democrats tend to do is overplay their hand, and I think they're going to mess things up so bad and push such a radical agenda on the public in the next two years. I think uh, they're going to really lose big time in the uh, 2022 election, but I I don't. Who knows? Um, Your final thoughts, Julian, before we uh, let you go. You know, my final thought is, uh, David, God is good. He (laughs) is in control, and we as believers need to trust him. Mm. We need to keep speaking the truth. We need to make sure that we don't hide our light under a bushel, that we are salty salt, and that we are um, doing everything we can to get the gospel out to a people who so desperately need to hear the truth of the redemption of the salvation that Jesus Christ offers as God's son. That's the message we, if we, if we fail in that in a time with a a quote pandemic, I'm not sure. I I, I rarely use that word, but when we have people afraid for their lives because of a virus, shame on us. We have, don't look at, don't look at this next four years, if you will, as a time of, Oh, you know, Eeyore approach. Let's look at it as a golden opportunity to shine our light brightly and to keep the salt being salty and being doing the preservation work and the Amen. cleansing and stinging work it needs to do. Yes, Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, thank you. And I'll add to that, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Romans 10 9 and 10. We'll wrap up the show and let you know who's on tomorrow when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow we are blessed to have education expert and uh, commentator Alex Newman, a journalist, um, you can check out more on him, the Newman Report. You can go to Freedom Project Media, freedomproject.com. The Liberty Sentinel, he writes for them. And can't wait to catch up with Alex Newman and get the latest. Oh, my goodness. I'm um, just looking at a couple of recent articles that he came out with. I'm, wait till tomorrow. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of very important but controversial issues in education and um, what's happening with Alex Newman. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.